0: Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey
1: everyone, it's a new week of Cinematics. This is episode number 212. We have a really interesting show. A lot of movies this week. There is a movie called When Evil Lurks. That Bruce Perky for the last several weeks has been clamoring, champing at the bit to actually review. He's seen it with Eric Holmes. There's a whole bunch of other films this week that we're going to cover. Eric Holmes, for our listeners, what can they expect for the week covering October 13th? Is it No, October 20th. The week of October 20th. What can people expect? Do we have some good stuff? Middling stuff. What can they expect?
2: Uh, I think we got some pretty good stuff. There's no, like, uh, there's nothing that I saw this week that's, like, bad. Uh, It's either great or pretty decent. So I'd I'd say it's a pretty good week.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know. Mr. Orkin was a great week last week. After your your evisceration of Mr. (laughs) Orkin, I think Bruce and I were ganging up on Eric Holmes last week. We both loved Mr. Orkin. Bruce Perky, this week, when you're looking at what you've seen the last week, what you're going to bring to the show, Are you excited? Is this show going to be a warning to people to not see these movies? Or are there some gems amidst the bunch?
0: There are definitely some gems amidst the bunch. There might be some where I'll be cautionary, depending
1: on your tastes. Okay. Cautionary uh, regarding your tastes. Speaking of tastes, for this month, I apologize. I haven't been doing a lot of great stuff on Patreon as far as community engagement. I did some last-minute polling we got a couple of movies to add. There are two movies. We're covering the the year 2013. And Bruce, what is your pick for your, your Patreon pick for us to review for next week? Uh Under the Skin, uh, which I've never seen before, uh, by
0: Jonathan Glazer. Mm-hmm. I have now seen it, but I will not say anything about it until we do our
1: Patreon. Okay, very good. Keeping Have you creative. guys seen that movie, both of you? Yes, I've never. Oh, okay. So yes. And Eric is going to keep mums on his thoughts on Under the Skin. And I still have not seen Under the Skin. So I think it's a running theme. But there's a lot of movies that I haven't seen. I still haven't seen Rosemary's Baby, by the way. Bruce Burke bad on me on that. So very bad on you. Very bad on me. So it's Carla Johansson in Under the Skin, Jonathan Glacier film. I remember being in a theater years ago and watching Birth and being blown away by Birth in the theaters who knows maybe if under the skin actually oh you have oh birth you have birth on what is it is that blu-ray or dvd did you it's just dvd oh you're just it's just hanging around (laughs) well
0: it's one of my recommends this week
1: okay i I think i should read (laughs) read
0: read down on the page and you'll see it
1: (laughs) oh birth in parentheses bruce maybe i should actually oh eric dark harvest okay so we'll see if eric Eric, can you tell our listeners why Dark Harvest is something that you've been wanting to watch? If they, they know if they listened to the last episode, but why was this movie? You actually paid for it. You saw it on digital. Why were you so excited to
2: see Dark Harvest? I'm a fan of David Slade, and this is his first uh, feature-length movie in quite some time. I, I guess uh, he did a segment on um, Nightmare Cinema. He's done a bunch of TV, but this is his first uh, feature-length movie since Twilight Eclipse, I think.
1: Okay, so it's been a while, and Eric's going to give the low-down, dirty details if David Slade is in fine form. I, I think I could be wrong. I think David Slade did another movie called Hard Candy years ago. I think that Yeah, though,
2: uh, I think that was his first. He did Hard Candy, then 30 Days of Night, and then uh, Twilight Eclipse, and then A Long Time, and now he did Dark Harvest. Okay, we'll see if that
1: long time is worth the creative absence for a while. Maybe Who knows? Maybe it might be one of our top recommends this week, thanks to Eric Holmes. Now going back to Patreon, we have one more film to cover. The other pick is from our Cinematics community. We have two choices. I'm not going to do a random. I'm not going to do a randomizer. I am going to have Eric Holmes pick between the numbers one and two. Pick one or two, Eric. Uh, between one and two, I guess that'd be one and a half. One and a half. No, Let's no. try that. Why don't we try? <laughs> very good, very good, Eric Holmes. Two. I'm going to put. We'll, we'll, we'll go with two. You're going to go with two. Our second choice. Patreon choice, will be Prisoners for the year 2013. We are covering Prisoners by Dennis I don't know how to pronounce your name. I think it's Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve from Blade Runner. What's that? Bruce, Blade Runner 2049 and Dune and Incendies. Incendies. That's and a good one. Arrival. Uh, the,
2: he Arrival. Did, um yeah. Enemy. Enemy's really good. The, the endings doesn't quite work, but the, the rest of the movie's really good. Yeah, his first movie, his first movie, I
0: guess it's not his first movie, but it's really, really good. Um, oh, I have to look it up. It's uh, about a school shooting in Canada. It's a real story. Oh. It's very good. And hardly anyone ever talks about that one.
1: I'll okay. So you like Denis as a filmmaker in general, Bruce, right? And until you got to Dune, you and I would were kind of, I remember two years ago, we were tough on Eric because Eric is very passionate about, what is it? Herbert's Dune series or that that novel Dune, Eric, you're a fan of it. When me and Bruce saw it in separate occasions, we both sort of liked it, but we kind of just gave it a mixed review. Bruce, do you think Dune two years later, is that a worth a rewatch? Do you think you and I might have been on the wrong boat regarding it, calling it kind of um, a slog? E-
0: it might be worth a rewatch. I'll probably rewatch it again before the next one comes out because I've been promised the next one's gonna gonna really sell it to me. That I'm gonna I'm gonna be fully sold by the time I watch the next one. <laughs> so it, it,
2: if they adhere to the book, I think it will. But well, we'll see. I I haven't seen the second one. So.
1: <laughs> oh, and we're not gonna talk about our re- reactions to prisoners. We're gonna talk about prisoners and Under the Skin for this month's bonus Patreon for cinematics. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Patreon, but. Eric, Dune lived up to your expectations, right? Denise's version of Dune was good for you when you saw it a couple of years back. Yeah,
2: I mean they they made a cup, uh, couple changes in the in the movie, but it seems like they're going in a direction where they'll retain the ending of the book, but we'll see.
1: Okay, very cool. And before we get to our features, Eric, you've done a lot of interviews. We're just right off the top of your head, what can we expect? Look, I, I'm oh. I think you've done you did Navajo Police Class Fifty Seven. How was that documentary? I think that's currently streaming on HBO and available on Max. Would you suggest people check it out? If so, why?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, that I haven't got to finish it yet. There's uh, It's a three-part docuseries, basically about um, a police academy for the Navajo police. And uh, just kind of following them around. And you get to see kind of, uh, how do I put it? kind of like a minor differences between what they do as a Navajo police and uh, Canal Police in general work. I don't think there's much difference, but, you know, uh, you got uh, I got one last episode to get through, but there's three of them. They're about a little under an hour each, but definitely worth a watch. Eric has some very interesting questions. For a lot of these documentary
1: filmmakers, one of his questions, that his go-to questions is asking how they are able to take care of themselves mentally during these production shoots especially since they one can become very attached to the subject they're covering regarding mental health so that was some really good questions if you're really interested in these interviews that eric conducts they're available on our find your film podcast i have to put them up i am a little bit late on that but check out our sister podcast find your film that it'll be there and as well as our deepest dream youtube channel all of Eric's interviews are there. I am slacking because <laughs> Eric's doing all the interviews. So thank you, Eric, so, for uh, picking up the ball on doing all the stuff. And then also I'll be posting up on the Deepest Dream YouTube channel his really cool interview with Rusty Cundiff, the filmmaker behind 57 Seconds, a movie that stars Josh Hutcherson. I believe it's on digital and on demand. Eric Holmes will hate me because, well, he's bonding with Rusty Cundiff because they're throwing throwing some F words here and there. I'm sorry, Eric. I had to go vanilla, vanilla gadget cut. <laughs> Are you okay? I, I'm sorry, Eric. Are you, there's no. I I'm good with it. it. You're good with it. Bruce, yeah. what do you what do you think of me actually taking all of the f words and swear words and, and on our YouTube channel and and just what's the shaking of the head? What
0: I mean, I think it's fucking <laughs> ridiculous. I can't believe you're <laughs> doing that. Oh, that's horrible! How <laughs> do you dare do that, you <laughs> fucker? <laughs>
1: Okay, that is not... You know what? I'm going to have to tag this one. I want to edit <laughs> this show. Now everyone I, gets
0: to wonder what I said.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'll be very, very good, Bruce. Okay, now, what is very, very good? Let's go to our featured films. There's a movie that I believe is in select theaters as we speak right now, When Evil Lurks. The big catch, though, it starts streaming on Shudder starting Friday, October 27th. It is a joint production with IFC Films and Shudder. Handing this off to you, Bruce, you are so excited. What can listeners glean from this film from director Demian Rugna or Rugna? I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, my fault on that. But what is One Evil looks about? Well,
0: first of all, uh, this is an Argentinian director. And uh, this person got on my radar, I don't know, I want to say about three or four years ago. They released a movie called Terrified, which unfortunately, probably in search engines, is lost to all the Terrifier movies. So let's get it straight. Terrifier is... Art the Clown, which you may or may not love. I'm not currently on the love side of that. And Terrified is a movie that this same director that made uh When Evil Lurks made a few years ago. That's an excellent movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. I believe it is also on Shutter. I don't know if it's anywhere else. The good part, well, this is a good and bad part of When Evil Lurks. This was in the theater last week. It is not in the theater this week. It was, oh, in, no, the theater. Really? It was in the theater for one week. Very limited showings. I wanted to go see it, and I Literally couldn't go see it based on my schedule because it was like one showing a night about 45 minutes away from me. And except for possibly the major markets, it only stuck around for a week. came out the same week as uh, Exorcist, whatever it's called, Believer. And unfortunately, that's probably still around. Whereas this is a new property uh, and a better property, in my opinion, from my understanding. I haven't seen the Exorcist movie. Anyway. When Evil Lurks. What is When Evil Lurks? Uh, I'll just give you kind of the basic setup. First of all, I will just say out of the gate, if you don't like gore or possibly violence to certain characters that don't usually get violence towards them, you might be triggered by this movie. But if you're a horror fan, I think you should be able to go into this and and be fine as far as what it's going to give you. It still might... Get you a little bit, but you should be okay. The basic concept is you start out, you have these two brothers. They're living in the countryside, presumably in Argentina. Uh, They hear gunshots out in the, like in the, beyond their fields, they hear some gunshots and they're kind of curious, like, what's, what's that all about? Next morning, they walk out into the woods. They find a body in the woods with some stuff around it, like a paperwork and like some weird instruments. Uh, The body is cut in half. They're like, well, this is unusual. And uh, they see uh, in the paperwork, there is information about one of their neighbors. And they think this person must have been going to see our neighbor for some reason. They go to the neighbor's house. I'm going to stop in a minute. I'm not going to give much away. This is all the first 10 minutes. They go to their neighbor's house. Their neighbor says, oh, that person was coming to kill my son. And immediately you're like, why would a mom say someone is coming to kill their son and think that's absolutely okay? And that's, the beginning of this movie. And, um, I quite like this movie. I think it's a really interesting take on, it's a kind of a take on two things. Uh, and I, I want to see, cause I have a feeling Eric could be driven crazy by this, by this movie, because there's a main character in this movie that makes terrible decisions. Although I think that's kind of a point of this movie is he is definitely, I would say the worst father I've seen in a film this year and possibly the worst son. He's definitely a terrible, terrible father. Um, He makes terrible decisions throughout, and he is kind of our, quote, protagonist, but he's also not anyone that we're supposed to really, I don't think, 100% like at all. Uh, We might sympathize with his predicament, but may not like it. This is a movie where it goes lots of places you're not expecting, even though it goes into territory you've seen in other films. It does it in, I think, a pretty unique way, Uh, and I was always kept guessing, and um, I, I quite love this movie. I think this is probably in the running for my favorite... Horror movie
1: of the year, for sure. Well, wow. That's saying a lot. Are you surprised at how much you, you – said that you liked it. It sounds like almost a love. <laughs> you really? Yeah. I mean, you always hope for a movie
0: of someone you like when it's coming out, if you're going to like it or not. But you never know. I mean, I, I didn't know going in much of anything about this movie. I just saw the poster. The poster is like a red background, a silhouette of a woman holding an axe. But she's holding the axe the wrong way, so the, the blade end is facing towards her face. And you're like, okay whatever, let's see what this is about. And uh, you, of course, get to find out what that's about, too. There's really interesting lore here, really interesting storytelling, and lore about things that you've had in other movies, but done in a way that's just its own take on it, I think.
1: That's very hard to do its own take on something, especially when you're talking about the horror genre. Eric Holmes, screenwriter and director Demian Rugna, it's his film. Does this Did this movie work
2: as much for you as it did for Bruce? Uh, yeah I think so well I'd probably I think Bruce probably liked this a lot more than I did, but i I still thought this was pretty solid. It's kinda reminded me a lot of what's that denzel one Denzel Washington mm. fallen or, fallen, yeah, fallen, has, or fallen? yeah, elements of that yeah it's yep. got it's it's got some of that it's it's um you know there was a couple of shots that kind of reminded me a bit of lose the of Flower people kind of dug that it it's kind of like a it's, uh, it's got its lore to it and it kind of uh pieces it out as it goes along and so Yeah, Bruce, I think you're good at not mention much, because I think part of the fun of this is as the movie goes, it kind of gives you a little bit more and a little bit more and just kind of opens up the world. Um, Yeah, I think this is a really solid, really solid horror movie. And we're in spooky season. So So you said this was in theaters for like a day. It's streaming now, yes? Yeah, it was
0: like a week. This week it's not. Uh, except maybe in major markets it might still be there, but in my area it just went after a week. It was, last week it was in theaters, Shudder next week. Next week, okay. Shutter,
1: October 27th. So right. Bruce, you were saying at the beginning there is going to be some people who will not like this movie or maybe should stay away from When Evil Lurks. Can you just clarify, just some people not, might not enjoy i would
0: say if you want your horror movies a little more meat and potato and a little less like there are elements in this that could be disturbing to some people i mean it's not like funny games level of disturbing but there's some stuff in this movie in the way that some things happen to certain characters that will really bother people and um i would say if you're maybe a little more of a casual horror movie fan it may not be for you but if if you're a pretty hardcore horror movie fan i think you you can go in pretty easily i think there's some
2: uh i think there's some uh more than one scene that's pretty kind of (laughs) gross like oh yeah i I may have gagged once or twice watching this I would say one thing, a tribute
0: to this movie. There is a p- moment in a movie where I know something's going to happen. I'm not sure how why, quite how it's going to happen. And I literally exclaimed out loud, sitting in front of my computer at home. And I was, su- I don't do that. <laughs> I was like, ah, <laughs> like I literally yelped. Uh, and I've read a couple of reviews or heard a couple of reviews since I saw it with people reacting similarly. And I'm sure if I was in the theater, I would have probably jumped or yelped out even louder. So that's, hey, that's a testament right there. If a horror movie can make me audibly yelp out loud
1: it's done something (laughs) okay so that is when evil lurks your rating Eric Holmes.
2: i'll probably go four stars on this this is pretty pretty good stuff and i i think uh horror fans will will dig it quite a bit
1: okay very cool bruce perky
2: uh i'm four
0: and a half probably will become five it's very verging on that it's four and a half right now
1: so almost as big as uh, almost as high as Dear David? am like, correct. That.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Four times as good. Four and a half times as good as Dear David. I was okay. so happy to see we were not alone on that island. Uh, after we reviewed that movie, I saw nothing but <laughs> horrified reviews of how terrible it was.
1: So... <laughs> I'm glad you and I were not just being mean last week on Dear David. Again, at and your on
0: Middle Class Film Class' uh, Wheel of Punishment. So there you go.
1: Oh, very, very cool. Speaking of Middle Class Film Class, you did a little bit of a life – what is it? The Douglas Adams reference on our Cinematics Facebook group to Tyler Noe? What was that in reference to regarding what they were talking about on their, on their podcast?
0: So they were doing Hitchhiker's Guide and they were talking about uh, – Tyler was talking about how he wished it had been a, a series – even though they had talked about how it was a radio series originally it was a tv series too on the bbc kind of back in the i want to say the 80s maybe so and they even said that it would be great uh, as almost like a doctor who type mo- series and it was it was like that old school doctor who type series so i was just telling him hey you should check that out
1: yeah they should they should really do their research what is bbc by the way bruce I, when-
0: uh well it depends. What kind of searches do you do?
1: <laughs> that is very good. Love that, Bruce. Very, very good at that comeback. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, that, that is some cowbell and a rim shot. Onyx, the fortuitous and the talisman of souls. Very good, Bruce. That has to be an all-timer. It's in theaters October nineteenth, meaning we're recording this on Wednesday. This is a movie that comes out on Thursday. I know Barbara Crampton is one of the stars. Eric, you did actually did the interview with the director of Onyx, The Fortuitous, and The Talisman of Souls. What a mouthful of a title! How does it work as a movie?
2: What is this about? Uh, this is mostly a mostly a comedy. Um, I don't know. Uh, so Andrew Bowser, writer, director, and star of this. Um, I think he might be. But he was no, best known to me is uh, he's in a viral video of uh, something happening at Arby's and like the news crews uh, interviewing him. And he was speaking in like this overly flowery, flowery language. Um, yeah, I thought that was funny. And then, uh, I was like, oh, he did a movie and got a link for that. And so, uh, what, oh, shoot, what's the story? So basically, a bunch of people, he's like a Satanist. Onyx the Fortuitous is a Satanist and he gets invited to, uh, this mansion along with like, four or five other people. Basically they go through these satanic rituals and to wake up, uh, wake up some demon thing. Hilarity ensues. Um, This kind of lives and dies on what you think of uh, Andrew Bowser's comedy. I wasn't quite locked into it at first, but I kind of, I kind of uh, fell into it later on and kind of uh, enjoyed the, you know, the ridiculousness of the whole setup and the comedy of it. I don't know. Are you guys familiar at all with the with the guy?
1: No.
0: Yeah, I know him. I know him from doing, actually, uh, I think he played probably the same character in another viral video where it was like, um, I think it was one of those protests around, um, what is it, um, Satan's, uh, the satanic temple or satanic church? What are those guys that go around and do all those like political, you know, we're talking about political protests and stuff, or they'll do things like... Wherever they're putting up the Ten Commandments, they'll put up. They'll say, "Well, we're going to put up a, you know, a statue of Baph- Baphomet, oh, okay. you know, those guys." And I think he cut himself in as that character in a, some of those things where they're interviewing all the satanists. And then he comes in and does his his shtick. Uh, so I remember
2: that for sure. Yeah, I I think where this uh, kind of goes above and beyond is like it's got the silly sense of humor. It's got the you know the fun effects. Uh, they got like uh, puppets playing certain demons and whatnot. But there's also uh every once in a while he, he gets he puts in these little moments of like uh where you feel real bad for Onyx or like it at least me watching. It, I got like a uh, kind of emotional in a couple of spots and I was not expecting it with a movie like this. You know, you'd think it's just a silly comedy or a horror comedy. You're going to expect, uh you know, the gore effects and the monster effects. You're going to expect the comedy, but you don't expect These tiny moments uh you know where it kind of touches your heart or makes you feel bad for the characters. So it, it it's got a little extra for what these movies tend to go for. Okay. So that is Onyx the
1: Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls in theaters October 9th and 19th. October 19th only. I guess in theaters October 19th only. Maybe is it a play for one day? I don't know. Anyways, there, there's a website. I think it's called where what is it says theonyxmovie.com. I will put the Link in our show notes, Eric. What is your rating on this film?
2: This one, I think, is a three three star banger. I, if you're if you're into his kind of comedy, uh, I think you're going to like it. If you're not into his comedy, uh, maybe you'll lean into it like I did, or maybe you'll just hate it. it. It's hard to say, but I think I think this lives in three star banger territory. But it does kind of uh, go above and beyond at certain points.
1: Okay, so this is definitely um, we should we definitely need to actually plug this because it's going to be a one-day situation with Onyx of Fortuitous and the Talisman mm-hmm. of Souls. It is going to be presented by Cineverse and Fathom Events. So check it out. And again, the all that information will be in the show notes. Next up is a movie. When I think of the film Koyan Skatsi, I remember back in... I, th- I think it was released in 1982. Siskel and Ebert were praising this movie. And I watched the documentary as an 11-year-old. And I think if I recall, there's this moan or this chant or something where they go, Koya Neskatsi, Koya Neskatsi. And, and when I was a kid, it really was embedded in my brain. And I think Philip Glass is a big part of this whole kind of fabric. So I'm just talking out of my you-know-what, but Bruce Parquet has actually seen the the latest version from the director of Koya Neskatsi. I got to look up his name. It's called Once Within a Time. I believe it's only 56 or 58 minutes. Bruce, what can you tell us about this movie is it I have, like that yeah
0: yeah i have the name down as godfrey reggio i think that's correct or okay. reggio um yeah i, I remember kayana and Poyana Scotsi, and i believe there was another one i think oh, i feel like it was a trilogy and was it like lots of um kind of documentary footage but they do things like uh play it like super fast or super time-lapsed and they'd have that you know pictures of street scenes and then pictures of nature and they're kind of doing this kind constant like comparison they call it, I think Kiana Scotti was like Life the Balance or something like that. So it's kind of just demonstrating, kind of graphically, this sort of difference between mechanized human, artificial life and natural life. This movie is is kind of different, but I can you can say and see the roots of it there. Uh, this movie, first of all, is it's almost like an art installation. So I think that that's a good way to go into it if you're going to enjoy this one. Um, it's kind of much more of like a digital collage, I guess I would say, where you have lots of different elements, you know, you have elements of kind of model work, you have elements of digital imagery, you have uh, montages and superimpositions of actual things happening in the world, like a factory or something. And the thing about this movie, it's it's a really, (laughs) this is one of those movies almost impossible to describe. Like an art installation, it's very abstract, very experimental. It starts out with, you know, like kind of a woman all dressed up, in this almost like looks like she's a tree herself and she's there's chants and songs and music playing and then you see little kids watching each scene and in some scenes it might be an apple and then a guy dressed like an apple and then it, it's like it's just i don't even know how to say on this it's it, it has a guy that's uh dressed up in an outfit where instead of his head he has giant teeth and all you see are the giant teeth but his face is peeking through the teeth it almost comes across – okay, I had a really hard time trying to think, like, how to describe this. This almost seems to me like if you're to mix an art installation with a Saturday morning children's TV show a la Pee Wee Herman, but we're trying to make it way more artsy. That's kind of what you get here. Um I had a really hard time (laughs) keying into the uh, tone of this. To me, it was showing all the – like, kind of all the things messing up natural society, right? Like I said, about factories and um, would have people, you know, obsessed with digital things. And every time I would keep clicking clicking back to these kids, you know, a whole selection of kids, like the Benetton ads, you know, like all kind of experiencing it all. So, I think the idea was supposed to be like, oh, here's the youth of the world, you know, having – here's what we're giving them or something like that. It, it it kind of came across with a slightly preachy tone, but I think if you were tuned into it, it might work for you. Um, if I were to go to something experimental that I think treads similar waters, I'm much more of a mad God person. I, I like it darker and weirder. I think this has a very odd mixture of tones where there is a strange lightness to it. And like I said, almost it feels like almost preachiness, Like it's like, it's, an after-school special version of artsy installation stuff. So for me, it did not work for sure. Really, probably should be rated as a three-star banger because this is going to work or not work for people. But for me, I, I can't go that high because I did not enjoy it that much. So I'm I'm probably only two stars. Although someone else is probably going to be five stars if it hits them. You know.
1: Okay, fair, fair enough. Two stars for Bruce Perky for Once Within a Time. It opens in Los Angeles on October 20th and additional markets. I will leave a a link where you can check it out down the road, Saturday morning cartoons and art installations with a (laughs) Philip Glass score and a a person with teeth coming out of the head. I don't know. What does that symbolize? Mass consumption?
0: Yeah. This is one of those things that'll probably appear eventually. Watch 10 minutes of it. Like we said before, watch 10 minutes of it. If you like the tone, you'll probably love this. And it isn't even an hour long. So,
1: you know, okay. Might be your life. I don't know, maybe once within a time, go to Los Angeles. If you have fifty, six, fifty-eight minutes, then talk about it over Espresso or psychedelics. I don't know. <laughs> this is a weird sounding movie. Very surreal. All right. So our last feature for this week is a movie called Butcher's Crossing. your father i decided to leave
2: harvard and travel west
1: i hope to find a stronger purpose and more meaning in my life
2: what can i do for you
1: i would like to go on a hunt
2: this will be one of the biggest halls anyone has ever seen
1: where are we going there
2: You're a god fearing man yourself.
1: Why fear God?
2: You don't know. You'll see.
1: Miller, there's no sense shooting more than we can skin.
2: You will skin them, Fred. Or I'll shoot you. Out here. I'm out here to hunt buffalo. Oh. all that their hides and sell them.
1: When we're done, we'll sure have something to show for. Them. You better start running because it's gone. based on the seminal novel by John Edward Williams, and it's headlined by Nicolas Cage. And he's one of, actually, it, it is headlined by Nicolas Cage, but it, it, this is a very interesting Western. It's a Western. It looks like a Western, but there's a little bit more. It's not a shoot 'em up Western. It's not a revenge Western. It centers on this young kid named Will Andrews, played by Fred Hetchinger. And he leaves Harvard to head out West to learn about the West the great wide open plains of the West, the mountains and whatnot, to learn about the great outdoors. And what he does is he teams up with a a frontiersman, okay, a mysterious frontiersman played by Nicolas Cage. So this kid, Will, goes with Cage's character, that frontiersman, along with two other people, a Skinner and an old guy who does all the cooking and handiwork during the trek. And they are out on a very ambitious trek to find buffalo. Not just the average buffalo going, just riding across the plains or just running across the plains. He has a special buffalo that he has seen at the top of the mountain and they are at some kind of clearing. The problem is to get to that location, it will take everything that they have as far as just mentally, emotionally, especially physically to get to that spot. Will they get there? Will they find the buffalo that this frontiersman says has the best hide and the best bang for your buck because once they get once they skin the buffalo and get all the parts, they can go back to town and make a lot of money. That is the premise behind this film, directed by Gabe Polsky. Very atmospheric, really interesting vistas. Has a lot to say about the near extinction of buffaloes. I believe in the wild, wild west around the. I think this movie is set around the eight, early eighteen early to mid eighteen seventies in the old west. Eric Holmes, take it away. Butcher's Crossing, your thoughts on this movie?
2: I love this movie. Um, so it it kind of uh this is where to say it kind of reminded me of a lot of There Will Be Blood, not like that it has a similar story, but a lot of Butcher's Crossing is kind of uh uh what would you call it like a you know, a warning about greed because I I think that's kind of where it goes towards the end. And then of course, you know, uh like you mentioned with the uh almost making the Buffaloes extinct. That's kind of on the, uh, it's got, uh, some titles at the end that talks about that, but I think mostly this is, uh, about greed and where it goes with that. Um, there's also the character, uh, the Skinner character, I believe he's played by Jeremy Bob. Great. Who mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. just kind of complains the entire time. The whole time I'm like, what are you doing here? Just go <laughs> like, you know, like, just, Hey, we need a Skinner. I'm like, I'll do it myself. You, we don't need you here. Um, but then there comes a point where like his complaints actually become, Oh, damn, he's right. Damn it. The, the one guy's right about this. Yeah. I just kind of, I, I like the, uh, I like that. I I like how it's shot. I, I I don't want to say I like the characters, but I like how the characters interacted with each other. Um, and then, uh, Fred, uh, H- Hetchinger, Fred Hetchinger, who played uh, Will he had a he had a pretty good character because, like uh, his was a character that at the beginning I was like, oh this guy's like pretty pretty nothing character, but then as it goes on and as they kind of uh you know as they go buffalo hunting and things start getting turning bad for him uh his character kind of grows, and his character at the end is like vastly different than when he started, which you know is probably screenwriting one oh one but i I think his character art worked really well in this. And then, um, without saying what it is, the the way that I really enjoyed how this ended, enjoyed's not the right word, but I really appreciated how this ended.
1: Yeah. We also have to mention Nicolas Cage, who, look, Western, the movie, the title's Butcher's Crossing. You think it would be maybe Cage doing an outsized performance, but it's actually, it's a very large, it's, I don't know if it's a larger than life character. It's a pretty subdued performance, wouldn't you yeah. say? Pretty much, yeah. And
2: in fact, he kind of, and I know you make the the face off comparisons. He reminded me a lot of John Travolta in this. Mm, I, like, I, I, I I didn't see Nicolas Cage a lot of the time. I saw John Travolta a lot of the time, which is you know, that made me think of face off, and that's weird, but whatever.
1: And if and if you're thinking Butcher's Crossing is some sort of social statement on the near extinction of the buff- buffaloes, yes, that's a big inspiration behind Gabe Polsky's film. But the movie itself especially if you're into that mission of them, that journey of them trying to find the buffaloes. Once they encounter them, what do they do? How does, like Eric say, how does greed envelop them? Or in a lot of the times there's, you see mainly for most of the movie, four people trying to survive out in the wilderness. And it really feels like a very expansive narrative. I really enjoyed it. I can't mention what happens to, it's a, also a coming-of-age story from that naive kid, like you were mentioning, Eric. But what happens to Will for the second half of the movie, and the way his character is written and portrayed, I thought it was pretty sublime. I was—I don't want to really mention what kind of creative masterstroke that I really loved. Well, you and I can talk about it after we record the show, Eric. But I thought it was just absolutely brilliant. And I agree, the ending to Butcher's Crossing is fantastic. So... I was surprised at how much I love Butcher's Crossing. Let's start with you, Eric. Your rating
2: on this film, or final maybe final thoughts and your rating on this film. Um, I, well, I, I guess one thing I didn't mention is that, especially in the like, this is not a horror movie, but it definitely has horror elements to it, especially during the buffalo hunt and kind of where it ends up. But uh, overall, I, I, this was a complete surprise. Um, I think I'll go four and a half. I kind of this is kind of one of those like four. I'm saying four and a half, but this could probably be a five for me.
1: I agree with you, Eric. This is a four and a half star film. I love the beautiful vistas. I was thinking, oh no, these buffaloes must be CGI'd. No, there. <laughs> a lot of this is real. You get to see, if you want to see buffaloes, you see Butcher's Crossing. They are there. Buffaloes are actually out in the open. Eric, do you see some? You as much as you and I love this movie. Do you see maybe people who are expecting your stereotypical western to be turned off by this? Is there a flip side to all the praise you and I are
2: levying on Butcher's Crossing? I guess if you don't like Westerns, maybe, but, um, well, and, uh, what they do with the Buffaloes is pretty, pretty heinous. Um, I, I guess that's what they did at the time. So, you know, it's, it's true to form, but, uh, yeah, a lot of Buffaloes die. And so if that's not something you want to see, I, well, you said they use real Buffaloes. I'm sure they, no, no, I use mean, real buffalos I mean- in those scenes, not in those scenes, but they, okay. they,
1: you know, the vista shots, the shots on the land. I'm sure I guess there must so. be some kind of CGI involved, but a lot of it is buffalos. They actually use the buffalos from, from that area, so that's amazing. So that is very good. Butcher's Crossing. I was surprised at how much I loved it as well. So four and a half, like Eric, both of us gave it four and a half stars. It is in theaters on Friday, Bruce. This is one of these movies that I think I should have caught wind of a little bit sooner. I think this is a movie that even that you would have liked. This it it's a quality, quality. Movie. Okay, so that is our features for this week. Before we get to our box movie and recommendations, let me also mention a couple of movies that are also coming out on Friday. Eric, are you a fan of Bill Moseley or Kane Hodder? Kane Hodder. Kane Hodder. Yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the only thing I really know Kane Hodder from is playing Jason. Uh, but uh, definitely a fan of Bill Moseley. Okay, so there's a movie called Hey Right to Hell it comes out on Friday, and
1: it's, it centers in a farm in rural Willis County, and it centers on the a Farmer Sam, played by Bill Moseley, who wants revenge on the local town folk, including the sheriff, Sheriff Jubel, played by Kane Hodder. And it looks like a hayride to hell, it looks like a sort of a revenge kind of movie that comes out on Friday. We were not able to review it because the embargo is on Friday, October 20th. I we told our, I told the publicist that maybe one of us will see it and review it for next week but when you set your embargo so late on the day the movie releases and we we record on Wednesday there's nothing we can do about it here's the thing there's another, another another movie called Pain Hustlers it's on Netflix right now Bruce I think on your you have early access to Pain Hustlers I do as well it stars Emily Blunt and Chris Evans and it's sort of a pharmaceutical comedy I don't know if you say pharmaceutical is so funny, but it's sort of a. She plays a blue collar single mom who realizes that by in, by joining this whole pharmaceutical business, she can actually make money. Unfortunately, the wheelings and dealings of life in a pharmaceutical, being a pharmaceutical rep, has its compromises, and I'm assuming that's what pain hustlers is about. Here's the thing that's interesting: it's directed by David Yates, who previously directed several Harry Potter films and several of the Fantastic Beast movies. I haven't seen any of those Fantastic Beast movies, but he's a pretty well-known director. Let's see if this movie works as a comedy. So it comes out in theaters on Friday and then in on Netflix next week, October 27th. The only thing I'm going to warn, okay? The only thing I'm going to warn, on the Rotten Tomatoes, I looked at it, it had like 27% from the critics. So the audience have not seen it yet, but we'll see what happens if people, and Bruce is smiling, it's like, Greg, you effer, you should not have requested a link of Pain Hustlers for me. We'll see. We'll, we'll give the full review next week regarding if the, this movie works or not. Finally, Bruce, what do you f- find very interesting about Errol Morris as a director? Because you, out of all three of us, you've been uh, watching his work recently, I think, with Mr. Death several months back. Oh, yeah. Uh,
0: well, I mean, I guess most people consider him to have kind of I guess, revolutionized the documentary form, kind of documentary slash fictionalized recreations of doc. You know, it's kind of that he's kind of blended things to make it um, almost the norm now, at least for uh crime documentaries. So I'd say that's kind of what I know him at most for.
1: Yeah, can you believe you go years back with, I think I'm sure you've seen the Thin Blue Line, Eric, oh, yeah. but that was, that was uh, a very landmark documentary. And you, Bruce, you just think of you and I grew up with the Thin Blue Line. Oh, mm-hmm. Thin Red Line? You said Thin Blue Line or Thin... Thin, thin Blue line. line. Thin Blue Line is thin. Yeah, yeah, Thin yeah, blue, blue Line. When you and I were young, we remembered how how critically acclaimed that documentary was. Little did we know, right, how that documentary would shape crime, nonfiction, fiction years from now, just from that POV, that documentary filmmaking approach. Well, he has a new movie out on Apple. We actually have access to this. It's called The Pigeon Tunnel, and it's a documentary about r- late writer Jean Le Carré. You might know Le Carré from his... Books, A Perfect Spy, Smiley's People, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. A lot of these movies have been, a lot of these books have been turned into movies. So when you think of John Le Carre, you think of an author of spy thrillers. I forgot what his real name was, but you have the rest of the movie, this documentary. You have Morris interviewing John Le Carre about his life, and it is fantastic. I've seen it. I should have actually put it on our features because it comes out on Friday on Apple TV Plus. And if you're interested in what made Jean Le Carré tick as a writer and as a person, and you have thoughts about the writing process, the creative process, and what it means to be an artist, this is a highly accessible film. The fact that most of it is told through the vantage point and the voice of Le Carré with some extra footage from the, his movies, the books. It's not a talking head documentary where you have people talking about Le Carré. It's just a one-on-one chat with Le Corre, one-on-one interview with Le Corre and Errol Morris and it is absolutely, absolutely riveting. For me, The Pigeon Tunnel four and a half out of five stars. I loved everything about this. This is one of these movies that I think because it's directed by Errol Morris, it is just a really well done and surprisingly evocative documentary. You get to really learn about his parents. I don't even see with guys with documentaries it's one of these things where how much can you really spoil? It's based on real life, but you don't want to give away all the nuggets. All all I'm going to say is you're going to really understand Jean Le Carre, the man, because you realize why is he so interested in spy thrillers? Well, he worked for the government. He worked as a spy for a while. He he actually was in that whole field for a minute before he became an actual author so he has some of that lifetime experience but there is some pointed references regarding his relationship with his mother and especially his father which makes you really understand why the people in his the spies the double agents in his books are so duplicitous and flawed you get to see it and he oh okay there's just too much I it really gets you towards the end too so the pigeon tunnel highly recommended I think I don't know. I I think you'd like you like it too, Eric. I don't know, but I think out of the two, I think Bruce, you might find a lot of value with the pigeon the pigeon tunnel. And Eric, since you're a writer, I think you might at the very least find some value regarding his approach to writing. So again, that is the right. pigeon pigeon tunnel. I am my my voice is going as we speak. That's those are the movies coming out on Friday. Let's get to recommendations. Let's start with you, Eric, regarding David Slade's Dark Harvest you I think you rented the movie was it worth the rental what is this movie about
2: Uh so um I listened to the audiobook of this which is I uh, this is weird So Dark Harvest basically the the setup is there's a small town and every every year at Halloween um they send the kids out uh because this pumpkin head thing comes out and uh the pumpkin head is trying to get to the uh uh church and if it gets to the church that's bad news for town uh they don't really say why they just say it is and then so they have all the kids in town well the boys specifically um go out put on masks and try to hunt down this uh pumpkin well, the pumpkin head i think it's called sawtooth jack and in the book it's called october boy um so they're it's got kind of a battle royale sort of flavor to it or a hunger game sort of thing to it, but the kids aren't attacking themselves or they're looking for this uh, pumpkin head thing and trying to kill it. Um This movie is just pure chaos and they suggest, uh they suggest story, but don't really explain a lot of it. Now I'm aware of a lot of the backstory because in the book, they do explain it. And I think in the movie, they just figure, uh just go for it and, it's, you know, it, what, what's what's the backstory of why they're doing it? doesn't really matter. Just all you need to know is they got to do the thing. Um, what's the backstory of the town? Not important. All you need to know is they got to do the thing. So it's very uh, action and horror heavy. Um, pretty much from the beginning all the way till the end, it's just nonstop chaos. And, uh, I mean, it's got a little bit after the cold open where they kind of you know, introduce the characters. I almost might recommend because the, the audio only like four hours long. I'd almost recommend listening to the audiobook first and then watching the movie or watch the movie. And then if you're curious about some of the backstory, go back to the audio book, not a great thing for a movie to do because it should stand on its own. This one, I think if you're not familiar with what's going on and you haven't read the story, I think a lot of people are going to be lost by then. Because it doesn't it doesn't give you a lot of answers to this, whereas the book does. It's weird because you've done a lot of extra
1: research for Dark Harvest. Did you like it then? Did you personally enjoy it? what or was it a disappointment because you've done your research and you know all that stuff?
2: No, no, I I liked it. Um, you know, again, I got all the I got all the backstory from the book. So um I was I fell right into the movie. That it was no problem. But I just want to warn people, if you're not familiar with the book, I think there's going to be uh, it's going to be a little unsatisfying. Um, but if you're just going in for like a balls to the wall action horror and you don't care about the the backstory or anything, it's pretty good. I mean, it's 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 gory. It's uh, the you know, it, it's what you would expect. If you've seen 30 days of night, you know, kind of what to expect as far as like the all that goes. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a battle royale feel to it. Little children in the corn. Look, okay. the the new that. one, but I like that, so take that ah, for what it's worth.
1: I like that as well. And um uh,
2: it, it also has kind of a kind of a Stephen King flavor to it. it. it feels like David Slade doing a Stephen King movie, but it wasn't uh the book wasn't written by Stephen King. It was uh, Norman Partridge, I believe, wrote the wrote the story. Um uh, but this uh as someone that read the book, I'd probably give it four stars, but for normal people who haven't this could go as low as two. It, it's hard. It's impossible to say, but I, I'll give it four stars because I really enjoyed it. But okay. just know ahead of time, you might get lost.
1: Okay. So Dark Harvest available on digital today, directed again by David Slade. It's av- again, available on digital. It's who are some of the actors. I don't know who Casey likes is, but I do know Elizabeth Reeser is in it. And then Jeremy Davies, I think is, it. so that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. like, Jer- Jeremy Davies is in this that, movie. Radar. That was the yeah. other
2: thing. Um, Bruce said, uh, worst dad in a movie. I, uh, I think Jeremy <laughs> Davies might be, uh, I think he might be, uh, you know, fighting for that title because his, his, the dad character in Dark Harvest is pretty abhorrent, I think.
1: <laughs> okay. So that is, uh, no, I, I was just very, I might even rent it on, di- I might even purchase it on digital rent. I mean, rent it just because Jeremy Davies is in it. So that is, the recommendation from Eric Holmes. Bruce, I believe you have a recommendation as well this week. What is it?
0: Uh, yeah, I got two actually, but one. Me. I'll go really quick on one of them because it's pretty mainstream and everyone probably can get it and knows about it really easily. That's the Fall of the House of Usher miniseries by Mike Flanagan on Netflix. If you're a fan of Mike Flanagan, uh, you kind of know what to go and expect with his uh, work, which is generally... Really good character work. A consistent kind of uh, cast of actors that he uses in his films, in his films and TV series. Um, and I think this is his last one for Netflix. Uh, the basic conceit of this one, just so you know, is it starts out and Roderick Usher, which you've probably heard if you've ever read *The Fall of the House of Usher*. Roderick Usher is the patriarch of the household, and it starts out and he's burying the second trio of his six children who have died. So at the beginning of the movie, all six of his children have died. And um, then the series, each episode goes back and you discover slowly how all of the kids died. (laughs) And each, each episode is somehow loosely related to a Poe story. So you've got the Mask of the Red Death, and you got the Pit and the Pendulum. You've got the Murders in the Rue Morgue. So it's very hard to describe how he ties it all together, but he's it's done very ingeniously. Um, and it's all wrapped up in kind of this wrapping of Succession. So if you loved Succession, and you're kind of missing that flavor, but you want it to be a little more over the top, a little more horror-based um, a little more, uh, a little less intellectual, (laughs) but still have some of that bite and some of that satire and also have a little bit of that, you know, Halloween spirit to it. This might be a great place for you to go and, and, and watch the seven to eight episodes of this. Uh, I found it really satisfying. And I think most of Flanagan's work, if you've ever watched it, he has a real ability to take like the properties he picks and just make them solid and, satisfying and well done. And they're, they're not going to be super artsy. They're not going to be super edgy. They're not going to be super experimental. There's going to be good storytelling. And that's kind of my experience with Flanagan in general. So I think it's kind of a no-brainer if you like his other work that
1: he might be able to dive into this. And like you said, it, it wrapped up pretty well?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It wraps up great. Um, th- this is one of those, and he tends to do this because he doesn't make series that continue for seasons and seasons and seasons, he usually has a complete story arc for one whole season, and that's it. And he goes on to something else. So it's written to be wrapped up in the seven to eight episodes. And I think that's really smart, too, because it it, it just gives you a feeling like, you know, it It also gives it stakes, right? Because when you have those series that go on for who knows how many seasons, they're always going to kind of keep people lingering around instead of just letting there be total stakes. You know, anyone might die, anyone might do whatever, because it's only here for this one season. And don't we hate all those filler episodes just to get to the good stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Horrible stuff. Yeah. And this almost works like an anthology more than his other works because you know each of these, each of these siblings, each of these children are going to die. So if you're kind of like, oh, the episode about this. You know this child wasn't the best. I got a new child to die. So next episode, something else. You know, and you just kind of you kind of take it like an anthology in that sense. Um, even though there is an interweaving story throughout, you can kind of each one is it's
1: kind of its own thing. You know. Okay, so that is the fall of the house of usher currently streaming on Netflix. What is your rating on this limited series, Bruce? I
0: think I'll probably go four stars. It's really, like I said, really satisfying, really good. I mean, like it doesn't blow you away, but you're definitely gonna have a good time watching it. This is like what my wife and I watched it over a couple nights. You know, you can sit down and burn through two or three episodes. So,
1: something that you can't burn really through is Birth. Birth is one of those yeah. movies, if I recall. It's very weighty intellectually and maybe even emotionally. I thought it was really well done film. But again, I haven't seen it for years, Bruce. What is your experience with Birth? It's a recommendation for this week. Obviously, vis a vis your pick with the Glazier film for next Patreon. But yep. have you what's what? What did you feel on the rewatch?
0: Yeah. So, well, I had never watched Birth. So here's where I'm sitting. I have only seen uh, before this week. I had only seen uh, Sexy Beast. Thank you. Sexy beast. Yeah. Uh, and it's been meaning forever to watch birth it's been meaning forever to watch under the skin. And when under the skin came up, I was like, okay, this is my excuse. I've had birth sitting here on my shelf for, you know, four months or something. And his brand new movie is coming out this year, the zone of interest in like a month or a month and a half. And he's one of these directors kind of like Kubrick, um, kind of like a few of our directors that they do like a a film, like every 10 years or something, you know, basically Uh, except, except since birth, I think he's done one about every 10 years. So it's like, Hey, I can catch up really easily. I watch two movies and I'm all caught up. Plus it, you know, kind of get into that zone and see where his head's at. Anyway, birth, but an odd movie, probably a movie that might not even get made today. Definitely a movie that could not be made where if the if the genders were switched. And when I tell you the story, it's very obvious lie. Uh, basic concept is this: the movie starts with a man running in the park. Uh, you just follow him for a while, just 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 tracking behind him, and he runs in the park and he goes to a tunnel. It's Central Park, obviously. Goes through a tunnel, uh, and as he's in the tunnel, he slows down and collapses and dies. Uh, and then you have basically a jump to ten years later. And his widow, played by Nicole Kidman, is about to have an engagement party with her longtime pursuer, played by Danny Houston, of... Wasn't he in 30 Days of Night? Yes, 30 Days of Night. There you go. It's <laughs> was come full connection. circle. Yep. Oh, wait. Um,
1: Danny Houston wasn't in succession. Why do I think he's in succession? No, he's he was
0: in 30 Days of Night. But he was um, in this
1: really great Mel Gibson movie called Edge of Darkness.
0: Yes. He's but... been in a bunch of things. He's kind of this character actor you've seen forever. And I assume he's the son of um, John Houston. Um, yes, oh, sure. yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Children of Ben. who's in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. So Danny Houston plays Joseph. Uh, he's getting engaged to Nicole Kidman. It starts out at the party and he's telling the story of how long he had to pursue her. And it's actually kind of pathetic, but he's telling it as this great cute story of how he asked her like so many times and she refused him so many times. And that she's finally accepting his, you know, his uh, proposal 10 years after her husband died. So obviously she had a hard time getting over her husband's death, but here's the kicker. Right about the time of this party, <laughs> this ten-year-old boy walks up to her and says, "Hey, Anna." And she's like, "Yeah, wh- wh- what's up, kid?" <laughs> he just kind of walks into a party and and he's like, uh, "Yeah, I'm I'm your husband. You know, I'm I'm him. I'm Sean. I'm your husband." And she's like, "Okay, alrighty, get out of here, kiddo." And that's the crux of the story. He is obsessively telling her that he's her dead husband reincarnated. This ten-year-old boy. And the, the path of this movie is her and everyone else around dealing with the possibility or not possibility that this kid is either twisted, cruel, deluded, or maybe actually her reincarnated, incarnated husband. And boy, does it lead to some complications, this movie. <laughs> it leads to some really weird moments. And I would say there's a, there's a couple standout moments, um, there's a couple standout uncomfortable moments between, uh, this kid and, uh, Kidman, which i have become pretty notorious. Like I said, you could never and hopefully never would want to switch the genders in this, but it definitely, uh, is pretty, uh, charged. And then there's a great moment where Danny Houston finally gets fed up. And I'm not going to st- talk how that goes down, but that scene is fantastic. A weird movie. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't quite know exactly where I come down on the actuality of what's going on. And I think that's kind of the point of this movie. I don't think it wants to give you an absolute 100% positive answer, although it gives you enough to decide either way, for sure.
1: Yes. I, I looked at, again, I, I like to use Rotten Tomatoes not as the ultimate Bible on movies, on cinema, but it's gotten low ratings from both the critics and the audience members regarding birth. I still think it's, a, it's an underrated film. But uh, what is your rating on birth, Bruce? It seems you appreciated Um, it, at least. Yeah,
0: I'm four and a half on this movie. I I really like this movie. It's a weird movie, though. So I can totally get it. This is not going to work for a lot of people. Right. It's just too bizarre. And it asks a lot of the viewer. It asks you to really accept that these people are going to act the way they do. But I think, honestly, you can look at all these characters as they're all messed up. (laughs) <laughs> okay, no one in this story is is balanced.
1: And if I you recall know. it, it also gives a really insular, interesting interesting look at New York upper crust life. And that yeah. sort of, claust- anyway, it's a very claustrophobic section of the New York elite too. So if I recall, so yeah. it's very interesting too. birth, and birth. I-
0: I did not right. mention there's also some great, like, smaller roles by Anne Heche and um, Peter Stormare also in this movie. So there's a great cast. I mean, yeah,
1: I think Alison Elliott's in it as well. Yeah. And yeah, some really good stuff in Birth. That is four and a half stars for Bruce Perky. Look, what does Pete Aveda and his crew do every single week, Eric Holmes? What do they do? What do they drop? They drop the beat. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Box movie. I think we've all seen it. Director Mark Pellington's I Melt With You. And it centers on a bunch of guys who, how many, how many guys? I think four guys. There's Jeremy Piven, Thomas Jane. Jeremy Piven, Thomas Jane. Who am I missing?
2: Rob Lowe. And Christian McKay.
1: And Christian McKay. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. And they, they get together every week. They Different location just to celebrate their youth, to reunite, to catch up. A lot of times, they're not really catching up. They're they're just getting stoned. They're getting drunk. This time out, they meet someplace at a really beautiful home on Big Sur, overlooking the coast. And they have a lot of drugs. They have a lot of drink. They get to meet some locals. They party, but there's a problem. They are all holding one big secret, which we've seen this type of movie before. When friends get together, they're they're all keeping one big secret and you're wondering what that big secret is. What's interesting about this movie, I Melt With You, is it surprised me at whatever that secret was. I thought that was very good. And I thought it had some really great performances from all of the actors. They're doing some really good work. And this is, even though it's an indie movie, Mark Pellington is a music video director. He came in through through the likes of filmmakers like... David Fincher and Mark Romanek, so you know there's going to be a lot of visual panache and stylings to "I'm Out with You," and I like the visuals. Also, unlike Bruce Perky, I was not very knowledgeable on a lot of the music in this movie. Bruce, this is second nature to you as far as the movie, the music that was played. I wonder what you thought of the these uh, were these great wormholes, great drops for the for the music. Did they support it? I since I'm very I didn't know a lot of these acts. I ended up pausing the movies at the time and looking up these songs on Spotify. I love the music. I love the cinematography. I love the performances. I was really, Carla Gugino, who is in The Fall of the House of Usher, she's also in it. Really, really loved them. I Melt With You. But I wonder what you guys think if you loved it as much as me. Let's start off with Eric Holmes. Your thoughts on I Melt With You.
2: Uh so first of all, this is kind of two movies in one. The first half is a hangout movie, um, where they're just partying doing drugs and I totally want to party with Mark Pellington if the, that's how the parties go. <laughs> and then the the last half is the Fallout when a thing happens. And I kinda I dug both movies. It, it it feels well, first of all, the editing style in this reminded me a lot of uh Tree of Life because it's not a typical edit job where it's like uh like you would see in um narrative features it's kind of edited like kind of like they do in tree of life where it's like it feels more like you're seeing memories as opposed to uh narrative going from a to b and i love tree of life so obviously i kind of fell into that uh editing style uh again the soundtrack is awesome hanging out with the characters in the first half was uh pretty fun got me a little jealous And then watching how the second half plays out was kind of had me, oh, oh crap, what's going to (laughs) happen? What's what's going to happen uh, uh, Overall, I dug this a lot. Yeah. I I guess we're not going to talk about the second half. I can't uh, talk about certain things. But uh, yeah, Thomas Jane, Jeremy Piven, Rob Lowe, Christian McKay is kind of, I guess if I had one bad thing to say, it'd be Christian McKay's character. because he's the one gay character and they do the they do the uh well you can okay. it, I can't talk about that but it, I I didn't quite like what uh how his character was treated beyond that this would be like if this came out in like the late 90s this probably would have been one of my favorite movies for a while because it it feels like uh like the uh, mid late 90s kind of flavor to it and yeah I dug this quite a bit
1: yeah, I meld with you, Bruce. It really feels like a personal film, personal indie film. But when you get someone who knows what to do behind the camera, it becomes very well-executed indie film. So I don't know. Eric liked it. I liked it. You're the third, you're the third option. <laughs> the third you, wheel. Your third wheel. Uh, Nathan, we need a fourth Nathan. one. So
0: we can have the party, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, yeah, it wasn't much for me. I mean, part of the problem is this for me, this movie, like visually, you, all the stuff you said is true. The way it's edited is really interesting. The way it was shot, the, the acting is all good. I, here's the problem. Hangout movie for part, part one is Hayna hangout movie. That's like one hour of the movie. I need to want to hang out with these people. And I did not want to hang out with these people. I I at one point wrote nightmare dudes. All these people would be hell for me to hang out with. And especially the way that they are hanging out. I did not like them at all. And what a, a perfect indication was with the Thomas Jane character, who's, I guess sort of de facto the lead, I guess, maybe, I guess they're all kind of leads. I don't know. It seems like he kind of got a little more juice than some of them did for some reason. But at one point he's, walking with his cigar, he's got his fedora on, and he's got a flask. And I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly the kind of person I don't want to be within a thousand miles of. I, this is absolutely my hell person. Uh, and I just had to hang out with him for an hour. And then the thing happened. And I was like, okay, something's happening. Cool. This Now I was kind of, I was kind of invested a little bit, but then I had a problem. And, I, and I'm not going to talk about the secret. I'm not going to talk about what is happening in the second half, other than it didn't have to happen. And I didn't feel I was motivated to like understand why they were doing what they were doing. And I, underst- I understand literally why they're doing what they're doing. But I didn't really get it. Like, uh, mm, boy, I really want to talk about some things.
2: Yeah. There's a- <laughs> uh, Bruce, to your point, I know exactly what you're saying. You need to do more drugs. I and mean, then you'll understand exactly <laughs> why they did what they did. No, I don't. I'm
0: fine. I'm good. <laughs> I don't. Um, I like to say there was... There was there was an element of a mystery that was being investigated by the police and that whole thing seemed weird to me and unnecessary as well. There was this second half of the movie didn't have to happen. I understand it did happen to happen for the the movie, but it didn't happen to happen for me and it didn't it didn't drive me forward. It basically to me it was like first half is party where everyone's out of control, second half is downward spiral party. Right. That's all that happened. Music was great. I but yes. The music was great, but for these people, it just made me feel like they were more posers than I already thought of them.
1: <laughs> well, I, look, maybe I'm a poser too. Because none
0: it. of these people were even slightly into the scene of half of that music that they played. So yeah. other
1: than they just liked the music itself. I was listening so. to Bauhaus Bauhaus after while, while watching this movie. So very interesting stuff. I'm glad you like the, mu- the music at least, Bruce. But yeah, I thought this, despite what happened in the second half, yeah, <laughs> I thought this movie was actually, and without giving too much away, I thought it was pretty life affirming. In a weird way, I what? here's the thing. Here's <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. the thing.
1: Explain yourself, please. Here's thing. Yeah. Look, no. <laughs> well, Bruce, Eric, I've got a house in Big Sur. We're gonna go out one weekend. Maybe we'll bring uh, a fourth person. Maybe Joseph Bridges, Matt Stillman, and then we can do the party again. We can. We can. Uh, <laughs> We can do the events of I Melt With You, and I'll tell you why it's life-affirming. But no, the fact that there is a element about just try to remember who you were way back when. Obviously, yeah. that's a sliver of what happens to this movie, but I really glommed onto that little piece of life-affirming thing. Like, look at yourself in the mirror and see if you are the person you were when you All were right.
2: 17 or 18 so that 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 makes sense and I, I, I was thinking too much of the first half so <laughs> <No laughs> no no i was like no, there any of that life affirming. but no when, when you put it that way it totally makes sense okay so let's get to i guess final comments or ratings
1: behind i melt with you bruce perky well perfect choice of
0: pretty vacant to open and close the movie i'll give it two stars
1: Two stars from Bruce Berkey, and I'm sure if Mark Pellington ever gets to this review, he will appreciate Bruce Berkey's review because it's just straight and honest. I can't wait till you see going. I think going all the way that director Scott would love to see what you think of that Bruce Berkey. One of these days, we can actually see that Pellington film. I think that's one of his best works, right up there with Arlington Road and Mothman Prophecies, etc.
2: Eric Holmes, your thoughts, your rating on I Melt with You. This one's four and a half for me. Uh, had I, again, had I seen this in the nineties, this would have been an easy 6.9. Um, but uh, yeah, the, and it's weird. Cause like a lot of the problems Bruce had with it. Um, my experience is that they've uh, the Mark Pellington and, and the screenwriter have uh, lived in this world maybe once or twice. Oh my goodness. Oh, so okay, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, a lot of the realistic stuff that true to life stuff that happened, not the, not the thing that happened, but you know, right? Oh, except for one, uh, Rob Lowe should be dead. <laughs> oh, well, well, just in general, <laughs> he, t- he takes a handful of pills and, oh, yeah. them all and it's like, dude, he's dead. <laughs> There's no way <laughs> yeah. you walk away from that. But, but beyond that, uh, I, I really like the really enjoyed watching the party scenes, loved the way it was cut together, and uh, you yeah, know, I, I was interested in what happens after the thing happens. Yeah, I feel like I'd I lie. know. Oh,
0: Bruce, i say I'd like to know that when I'm gonna to have to do yard work, um, massive drug use is gonna really help me on digging <laughs> up that garden.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I met with you four and a half stars from Eric, two stars from Bruce. I'm agreeing with Eric. I'm giving I met with you four and a half stars. Just really love this movie. I think this is this is a cinematic gem. This is one of these lost movies that I feel more people will really enjoy if they get to see it. That said. There will be some people who, there will be a barrier to entry to some people. Bruce was talking about, about the unlikable characters in these, the main four guys. I just thought they were cool bros. I don't know what Bruce was talking about. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> nothing toxic about that, Bruce, right? They're just nice guys just having fun. <laughs> well, Eric, you're going to say something. Can, can I mention something? And if this is uh, too much, just cut this out. Okay. Oh. I will probably cut it out, but yes, go ahead. Eric. Okay. Is it too much to say that this is very bad things, but not a comedy? You can kind say that. Can, yeah,
0: that's kind of you that. You, you, okay. you can say that. You can I, say like, that.
2: Like dead serious version of very bad things. Maybe like um, more boogie nights, I suppose. Because there there is a little bit of comedy in there, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's not a spoiler, Okay, that's, that's totally fine. So again, right. I met with you. I don't know. How did we see this movie? Bruce, do you remember how we saw it? Was it on? Oh, it's on Hulu. Currently streaming yeah. on Hulu. That's how, that's how did up. you? Okay, I saw it on Hulu. Bruce saw it on Hulu. Eric, how did you see it?
2: Okay. I think the same. I, I watched yeah. it downstairs, so it was on one of those things. Okay,
1: cool. That's it. We're done. Final thoughts from Eric Holmes, just in general. To... com for our merch, for Find Your Film yeah. shirts and cinematic stuff. Please support us there. Use our Amazon shopping links if you can, and we get a slight commission as Amazon Associates members. I'm done glad-handing and, and promoting... Eric, say something genuine to close the show.
2: You and Bruce are the genuines, genuine ones, so go for it. I would actually like to hear from a bunch, not a bunch, whoever wants to watch it. I would like to hear from people about Dark Harvest, because I wonder what how this movie plays to people that aren't familiar with the book. Other than that, yeah, it's a pretty good week of movie watching. And I believe Killers of the Flower Moon comes out this week as well. I never heard of that movie. No. It's it's a Marvel
1: movie. It's a Marvel (laughs) movie. Yeah, that means that Martin Scorsese would probably love all these Marvel movies. Directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Lily Gladstone. I'm sure everyone is excited to see Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm sure Bruce, you're going to go pay some money to go see that at your local cineplex, maybe, possibly.
0: Unlikely. Isn't it like five hours long or something?
1: Oh, okay. No. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. It's very, very long. I know that. I I just know that I watch the, the, I keep watching the, you know how you roll by on Facebook and you see like the repeated trailer, like just loops, even though you can't hear it. mm -hmm. I just noticed, I couldn't help but notice how grumpy DiCaprio looks in every (laughs) shot in that trailer. I'm like, is he grumpy in this whole movie? So it just made me laugh. But I think I'm interested in the movie. I don't know anything about it. So
1: yeah, I don't know. You don't know. Okay. Eric, do you know anything about this movie as far as the historical stuff, what happens and everything? Very little. Oh, I'm so glad that you guys both said this because Killers of the Flower Moon, its press is to actually, and there's nothing wrong with this. If you read the press notes or just watch any of these press stories, pieces on Killers of the Flower Moon, they tell you what happens in the movie, which understandably so, this is historical stuff, but for both of you, definitely go see it with your blinders on you know what i'm saying just with with a little bit of level of just not knowing what because then i think i have a feeling it might be pack a powerful punch regarding yeah it might it really might i i don't know i would probably see this movie if i actually left this house ever so but i don't i don't leave the house at all so that's it and did you have a final thought bruce any, any i was thoughts? just gonna
0: say i remembered the name and i say highly recommend polytechnique by denis villeneuve You can probably find that a lot of places. Go check out Polytechnique.
1: And go check out Claire saying goodbye here on Cinematics. See you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.